When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast with Nate Lindquist. Nate created the Minimalist CEO Method to help business owners redefine and grow their businesses by finding new demand in places they never thought to look where there's no competition. By following his opposite thinking strategy, Nate's coaching clients have grown their business up to 40% in just two months and created tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Nate himself has launched more than 140 businesses. On the show, Nate interviews successful business owners and experts who share the secrets you can use to have a better business and a better life. Hey everyone, Nate Lindquist here again with the Minimal CEO Podcast. I'm glad that you could be here. We've got another great interview. You're going to meet the marketing director of Get Dry Inc. And uh, this is a local family-owned restoration company. She's done so much. She came out of the banking industry. She's moved into restoration. She's the co-owner of the company. And she's got a great background and a great story. And um, you know, she's learned a lot, done a lot. And uh, this is very much a family business. So I want to introduce you to Michelle Jackson. Michelle, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, Nate, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I think just as we get started, so our listeners can get a little bit of an insight as to you know how you got started in restoration, how you got into the business, and what your primary role is, what problems you solve in the business. Absolutely. Uh, we got into restoration. My husband is a contractor by nature. Um, we're from Indiana, transported to Florida, and he got into the insurance business. And through working in insurance, he noticed that there was a big need for reputable restoration companies, um, just people doing the right thing for the right reason, and ultimately for the client that is usually put aside and not listened to by the insurance companies. Uh, So we got into the restoration business and I came in after we were open about a year so that I could do the marketing side. So I'm a member of the chamber. I do all kinds of small marketing groups. Uh, I'm doing Facebook lives. I'm sharing photos of job sites and things that are going on because people really are interested in the restoration business, especially here in South Florida. There's a lot of mold, a lot of water problems. So it's really always being touched on and people want to know what to do and want to know about how mold grows. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think when people don't know that there's a sleeping giant going on in their basement, behind their walls, maybe there's been some painting them when they buy a place, they don't know where this stuff is going on. Um, having that kind of insight is super important. I, I love the way you, you're talking about creating the transparency. We call it getting behind the green door and just saying, hey, this is the stuff that's going on. And even if they never work with you, you've got families, you've got business owners, you've got property owners, managers that are going to be able to say, hey, I didn't know that, or I wasn't aware of that. So you shining a light is obviously not just about getting business, but being helpful. 
Absolutely. And really, that is my intention every day. I hope that you don't need to use me for sure. But when you hear somebody say there's something going on, I want you to think of me. Mm. So in a lot of ways, would you see your role as an educator? Yes, absolutely. I do a lot of remembering myself to say the right things that our clients say to us. So people will remember, you know, that they smelled something. Sometimes you think smelling something can't mean anything, but typically it really does because a musty smell is almost always trouble. Mm. No, that's a huge insight. I think just giving people the chance to share what they're experiencing in their world and you're hearing it every day from people contacting you saying, hey, listen, I smell something or, you know, something doesn't look right. Or what's this black stuff? Is this mold or is mold always black? You know, where is it hidden? You know, so you have that insight and that's really good. How do you deal with, I mean, this is going to be the big question, especially for some of our listeners who have restoration companies. How do you deal with the fact that there's no repeat business from your end user, almost almost 100% no repeat business? How do you overcome that challenge in your business? It's hard because most sales industries, you're you're always trying to tickle your past clients. I, I'm tickling them just by being in front of them, being on social media, people trying to have people remember who I am. Probably most people don't even remember the name of my company. They just remember me. Mm. Um, and overcoming it is it is very difficult. Unless you, you're working specifically with industry-directed folks, uh, just the, the lady across the street, she's got to know what you're doing. And you probably haven't told her, but maybe you did some work for her aunt or, you know, somebody's mom calls and says, my son has a problem that most of our business is, is repeat because of someone they knew uh, referrals, not, not repeat because we're going back to someone's house. Thank goodness. Yeah. We definitely don't want that. No. So you're finding that most of your business, is it coming from referrals? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we don't do any preferred vendor work. Uh, we just strictly work on, on referrals and uh, we do a blog that drives some business, but mostly it's just referrals from past clients, just letting other people know about us. So if you could whittle it down, cause you know, we're the minimalist CEO, we like to say, remove the waste, get to the essential. If you could just whittle it down to the three major strategies for generating leads, generating new project opportunities in the business, what would be the big three? Just do this, get rid of the rest. What would they be? You have to pick three. I would say my number one thing is focus focus first on a small area. Um, I primarily work just in my little town and build on small groups and make sure I'm seen over and over and over and over again in that space. Just meaning right here in Boynton Beach is where I focus. If there's something going on, I'm here. If, If I can go to a new business ribbon cutting, I'm there letting them know, you know, we're here in the community. I think it's very important volunteering my time right here in my community, Mm. working small, uh, like table setups at the mall when they have something for hurricane season, Uh, just really focusing there. Uh, Another thing is employees, you know, keep them happy because our industry, as well as, as some other, uh, service industries, you know, roofing and, and plumbing, they move around a lot. And if they're not feeling appreciated, they're not stick, sticking around. So I think that strangely isn't marketing, but 
if those people aren't happy in people's homes, then they're not going to give a good image of your company. So I think that's very important. Number three. So, so just real quick on the first two, and I'm sorry, I just want to hit pause on that for a second, because you put on a really big point is, I think you're touching on the idea of a team culture. And uh, not only, you know, the concept that I talk about a lot is creating net promoters, being willing to ask for the feedback from team members, being willing to ask for the feedback from customers and say, is there something that we could do better? Is there a way that what we've done for you, where you have questions about it, where we could sharpen the saw or, you know, have educated you better, or is there a place where we missed the mark? And I think, you know, gosh, if I look at the breakdown in any relationship or the improvement of any relationship, it always seems to come down to genuine, just seeking understanding and solid communication. Yes. And, you know, that's going to turn me to what I would say is number three is knowing the, your role in the company. Not that I don't wear 10 hats, but I know what I'm supposed to be doing and the other important people know what they're supposed to be doing in order to get everyone doing the right thing in the company. Um, you know, we don't compartmentalize necessarily, but it, it's very important to know how that team is all going to fit together and make the dream come true. And letting everyone know that they are part of that dream is, is just as important as, as keeping them happy money-wise and position-wise and all of that, you know, just talking about it and saying, you know, your, your smile at that house is just as important as fixing the mold. That's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it posture? The way they walk into the home, whether they put the booties on, you know, how they show up is super important. So as you talk about that, the one thing that jumps to mind, and I'd love to ask you this, because I think a lot of businesses don't have, they sort of, they're, they're daunted by business flow. The idea of operationally documenting processes there's this sense of I'll do that later. And what we've seen is companies get up into, you know, 6 million, 10 million, 20 million, and they fall back to two or 3 million because they don't know what's going on in the company. They don't, it's, you know, I think, who was it? Ed Deming, who said, if you can't describe your process, or if you can't define your process, you don't know what you're doing. And it's like, you constantly reinvent the wheel. So I share that idea how have it sounds like you figured it out, but how have you gotten through the concepts of roles, goals, the uh, business experience that you want and that narrative and the client experience that you want and defining those processes? How important is that? And how did you how did you get that in place or have you not gotten that in place? Yeah, I would say 90 percent in place and from trial and error is is how we've gotten it not necessarily from this business, but from being in business in general. My husband and I have worked together most of the 20 years that we've been together. There's only been short period of times where we haven't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just in our personal um, instance, I think learning how to navigate a relationship and a business and children has helped us build that know to build that priority and how things should go because we've we've had to deal with it making everything work and it's just kind of natural that we flow into the business and say okay this is how we want it to look is it not looking like that well let's adjust let's change let's fix it 
just over the years, we we know that if we don't have that lined out, then nothing's ever going to work. And so is it written down? Do you have your processes written down? Uh, processes as in how a job should flow. Yes. Okay. Not, not really like how the business should flow or particularly how things should be plugged in. We just kind of mentally have this uh, vision that's <laughs> just up here. So how do you communicate that? So w- what I've noticed in business, now you guys are uh, just about at a million dollars, just shy of a million dollars. And there's a lot of hurdles to get there. What I found is um, as companies start to move past that point up towards the $5 million mark, it becomes really critical to just have this stuff written down. So when you hire someone, when you grow, when you train, you can say, here it is. Let me help you understand how you fit into the puzzle, but this is the puzzle. So have you, have you been able to have some elements of your processes written down so that you can communicate it without having to start over every time? Definitely some parts of it, but we know as a company, we can't grow too much bigger without having that in place because you can't, you can't plug in four supervisors and have them all be doing the same thing without that. You, you just can't do it because right. we physically can't be everywhere. You know, that's why I came on board is because my husband can't be running things and talking to all the people that he needs to and be out networking. And then we have the the other partner that is in every house every day. We can't be in more than one place at a time. So if there's not that process, like you said, if it's not written down, the next guy that comes in to to help with another managing another three or four crews, it won't work because mm. we can't be there with him. Right. right now, we're all here for each other. Yeah. So you guys are right now the pieces of the puzzle. So this will be an important next step for you. I would yeah. love I would love to know, and and I appreciate your transparency. And again, our listeners, um, you know, the questions that we tend to get are you know, I can't get past the $600,000 level. I can't get to the million dollar level. And you're right there. Um, what are some of the, the steps that you took or things that you did to grow from, you know, getting past that, hey, we're, we want to make the business stable and try to survive to uh, getting to that uh, near to that $1 million level? What are, what are some of maybe, the, if you could just give maybe the top two things that you did to get to that point? I think one of the very important things that we did is have templates for things that we do back end wise. So there's when when we're sending an email to a carrier, for instance, we have preset templates. And if it's me or someone else or the new person, uh, we have someone that does write estimates for us. We all have access to those templates and everyone's doing the same thing. Otherwise, that process was terrible in the beginning because, you know, sending a one liner to a carrier and attaching 20 documents for a job doesn't work. It'll get ignored. And I think that was very important when we realized that if we streamlined that, it could make it go much, much faster. Uh, Another thing is estimate programs are lifesavers. We went through a battle and had some guys wanting to do handwritten forms. Some you, you, And when we just said, no, this is what we're going to do, um, it really improved things and made things so much easier, especially in the back end. We, 
We at one point were were looking at an estimate at least four times by the supervisor, then by the person writing the estimate, and then by me, because I would look at it and say, no, they missed all this stuff, and I would add it back in. And then Todd was reviewing everything because he just wanted to make sure. Now, none of that happens. It's, yeah. uh, so you have a lot of those pieces, the checklists, the templates, the how-to yes. pieces of the puzzle. Yes. So that's huge. All right. So moving on to the next question that I have, what are some of the challenges that you faced helping grow a successful business as a woman in a male-dominated industry? You're out talking the talking shop and comparing notes, talking to adjusters, talking to clients, probably working with people that are primarily working with work boots on all day and probably mostly guys uh, from what we've seen. What's, yes. what's it like? What are some of the challenges that you faced? I really haven't had much and only because my background, I, I will dig a hole in a minute. You tell me where the shovel is and I'm out there. Um, so I can actually talk the shop with them. You know, I, I can talk to a contractor or a plumber and relate enough to be able to, to know what some of the stuff is they're doing or answer questions for them. And I really think that that would be a big disadvantage if I didn't have that, the construction type of background. So I haven't had a problem with it. The thing that I've had more of a problem with is figuring out how to prioritize the things I should be going to. And really it's, it's still, you know, our industry, we don't meet someone and get a referral. You know, they don't send their grandma to us to get an insurance quote the next day because that's not how we work. Um, so sometimes it can take me a long time to, after I've developed a relationship, to get a referral from someone. But over the years, I think I've, I've kind of learned more of a connection to people than waiting for a referral. And if I have a good connection with someone, then I'll keep cultivating. I don't know if if that's kind of where you were going with that. But I, I think managing my time and figuring out where to focus has been my biggest challenge. When I was in the corporate world in banking, they just told you where to go and you right. hoped that you could make connections. And now I'm we've got to direct ourselves and and again, hope it makes a connection, but at least I can feel things now and I couldn't before. <laughs> so I'm trying to kind of wrangle in everything that you just shared. If I were to kind of go back to the thought, you're working with men all the time, you're trying to keep your focus and you see it about creating connection and you feel like you can talk the talk because you've walked the walk. Is that, would that be? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's been good for me because you know, someone, and I typically do dress more like a banker than I do a contractor. Uh, So it kind of helps people remember me, I think, because it's like, who's this girl coming in here looking like a banker, but she knows how, you know, she knows how to build a house or she knows how to dig for irrigation or, you know, so I think it helps me be remembered. Yeah. So what would you say, again, in the sake of uh, working in this, not only the male dominated industry, but working in just the restoration space, what would you say from the standpoint of building these connections, what would you say are some no-nos or some deal breakers? Maybe give one or two examples of when it wasn't working or places where you maybe didn't get it right. I tend to, if 
if I don't know an answer, I just tell people. And I think sometimes that isn't beneficial to me. (laughs) I may be a little too transparent, or I guess that's the way to put it. People want an answer. And if I can't give it to them, I'll tell them that I can't and that I can get it for them. And I think sometimes that turns people off. And Mm. maybe it's why, why is she representing a company if she doesn't have the answers? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I see that in two pieces. My, my thought process is it's a weakness if you don't go about adding to your rapport, your ability, or should not your rapport, your repertoire, your ability to, to say, you know what, you, of all the things that I do know about this business, there's someone who I would count on to clarify that with. And although yeah. I believe I have an answer, I'd like to go get one. I'd like to just verify that because I want to make sure I serve it. And I can't imagine someone not appreciating that. That said, I do think there's times where you say, I'll make sure that I get all those answers to you. And um, you know, I'm going to share everything that I've learned so far. And because you're in a business where there's assessments and there's evaluations of circumstances, and they're going to have questions that are long beyond, I would imagine in that first call, what you could possibly answer right then. So I do think there's an opportunity to see that as a strength, but yet I think also not having to say you don't know next time. You know? Yes, exactly. You yes. Know, I, I wouldn't see it as a I wouldn't see it as a negative, but I do think it gives us something to think about. And it's a it's a great insight that I think sometimes to see being transparent as a weakness is a weakness. <laughs> I see a lot of people trying to be the one with the answer instead of just saying, you know what, I'm not entirely sure on that. This is a new one for me. Gosh, we've seen so many different and I agree. Sometimes people see hear that from me and they're like, you've been doing this for, you know, you've been in business 30 years. You don't know the answer to that. Like, I know most of what I think I would do, and I've got a pretty strong gut sense, but I like to ask uh, instead of how am I going to do it, which I consider huge overwhelming waiting, guessing has consequences. I like to say, who can help out? WHO. So it's like fun little two fun little acronyms that say, like, listen, why don't I just not have the answer? Let's assume that right now I want to be 100 percent sure, even though I've got a pretty good sense of what it is. And I feel, gosh, I feel like that's you revealed something really important in your answer is I think it's a huge strength, depending on how you do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're really good at communicating your thoughts. And I think it's really helpful. You're uh, I can see that you're transparent. And I also can see that you're committed to the business and, and you like what you do. So yeah. I can feel that vibration all the way over here. So a couple, couple more questions. Um, if you had to identify one thing that you needed to, maybe you thought was important, but you realized it wasn't and you cut it away. As a minimalist CEO, one of the things I look at is, you know, when I work with someone is, where's the waste? Uh, you know, where are you putting energy, time, trust, engagement, whatever it is, money into something. And it's like, that's less of what I, that's getting me less of the progress that I want. What's one good example? Can you think of one or am I reaching here? My good example of it is payroll. I used to spend so much time with payroll. And now I promise you, I spend 10 minutes every two weeks on my payroll. And it was one of the biggest and best things that I got off of my plate. Time tracking, the the whole process was just a nightmare. And when we did go to a payroll system, I think one of the bigger things that I was really stressing out about is when the employees were not reporting their hours in a timely manner for me to get them to the payroll company, I would just be stressed out till 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night thinking, you know, someone's not going to get paid. 
But I finally just sat down, had a meeting, told them, if it's not in by this time, you're not getting paid. I can't personally be sick about you not getting paid if you're not personally responsible enough to give me your time. I think anyone listening to this is hearing a thoughtful, respectful, team-oriented leader. And I know that you're a co-owner. You're also the marketing director. And you know, I think that as you share, uh, it's very clear the things you worry about are about how you help other people win, how you get people where they want to go. That's very obvious. Um, how many hours do you think you were wasting each week stressing and dealing with ironing out payroll situations? What was that? How much of that oh. time of your time was that sucking up, do you think? I would say about 10 hours a week, but literally two and a half hours a week were being stressed out and sick over someone not possibly getting paid. Yeah. So huge waste. So you were able to recoup if you look at every single month, 40, maybe 40 to 50 hours and tons of stress in every month. Yeah. Every month. And just a huge relief. Wow. That's huge every month. So gosh, so you're talking about you saved yourself, was that 12? So you saved yourself 12 weeks every year. Is that right? Of time wasted. Yeah. Saved yourself three months worth of stress. Wow. That's amazing. So did I do that math right? Is that right? Let's see. You said 10 hours. 10 hours a week. Every single week. And that's 52 weeks. Um, Let's say every other week, five hours a week. Okay. So 20 hours, 20 hours a month. So you 20 hours times 12. Okay. So 240 hours. So, and if it's 240 divided by 40, so you save yourself six weeks. So if it's every other, you, yeah, I was right before. So if it's really every other week, it's you save yourself six weeks, a month and a half of time wasting. So yeah. that's a huge one. That's a victory on that one. I've heard it before. I'm not surprised. I bet you could, you could share a list. Do you have any other ones that jumped to mind? Like things that were wasted, were there marketing dollars wasted, put into things like big empty promises or junk food that just <sighs> wasn't working or distractions? What were that? You know, do you know a stat, funny stat, and I'll share this uh, again and again, but I learned that entrepreneurs on average waste three and a half to five months a year in digital distraction, social media, looking at their phone. And every, every one minute of interruption equates to 21 and a half minutes of, of uh, wasted time. So, and that means like you want massive frustration. That's it. I'm not having a productive day. You do that and, and lose all that time. By the time one or one or two o'clock shows up, you've killed the day because you don't have that momentum. Yeah. You don't have that confidence. So I know that's a big one. Any others that jump out for you? I am very scheduled. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is how I stay on track. If there is something that I think of that needs done, it goes on my calendar. I don't care if it's the smallest of things. And Every night before the next day, I look at the next day's calendar. If there's something that's unrealistic on there, I move it. I figure out when can I get that done because tomorrow's not that day. Um, Scheduling your time is very important. I think my husband, the owner of the company, really struggles with uh, with keeping his day on on track. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have a list. And you know, I can't force that on him. It's it's not something that's in his, uh, I don't want to say in his DNA because people can be trained, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's 
not happening now. And I think that he could definitely have better days if he would prioritize what he can actually get done in a day, not what is on the calendar. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, entrepreneur brain, you know, it's a great insight. I think a lot of entrepreneurs and owners, you guys obviously are co-owners of the business and you have a partner, you're handling marketing. You get a lot of details to manage, a lot of tasks that have to be done, strategic thinking, organizing, leading a team, the eight different departments of a business, dealing with mm-hmm. client problems, you know, making sure you're getting a constant flow of new opportunities. And having the ability to capture those and organize those, get them on a calendar, weekly planning, quarterly planning is huge. So it's good that he's got you to do that. To, and you're, you're focused on how you do that. And I'm sure that as you guys continue to grow, you'll lock in more systems where he can use his genius in the way that he feels connected with that. And other people can, can wrangle the details into, you know, herd the cats into the right piles so that the work gets done. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings. Herding cats? Herding cats. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. Um, you know, I would like to just ask you sort of, you know, the final question. And I think it's it's really important for the listeners to think about, hey, I've always wanted my business to grow. Obviously, yours is still growing right now. You're doing the things you you have momentum. If you could leave all the listeners with something like, just make this important. If you get nothing else, what would you leave them with before we wrap up this, uh, this interview? I think you actually mentioned it. You said that you can see that I care uh, about what we're doing and making sure that what you are doing you do care about. And it's not all, it is about the bottom line, but it's not all about the bottom line, I I would say. No, that's huge. I think, you know, what we talk about is helping systems. And if in the end, you can't get consistent results and say, is this helpful? And start helping and then refine it and say, hey, how can I make it more helpful? What are the triggers to show me, hey, we're not doing a better job and constantly improving those are the things that keep people up at night. But those are the things that if you really focus on, it's like, hey, the journey is getting better. You don't have to have it all figured out today. So there's always tomorrow. Yeah, that's a huge insight. And, you know, I just think this has been a great interview. I appreciate your time and I appreciate what you've built. And I I wish you all the success with Get Dry Inc. down in Florida and and continued growth. And I, I thank you very much for being on the podcast, Michelle. Oh, Nate, thank you. This is really helpful for business owners, what you're doing too. Oh, awesome. Well, I appreciate it. As we wrap up real quick for everyone who's listening, again, this is Nate Linquist with the Minimalist CEO Podcast. And we've had a great interview with Michelle Jackson. She's the marketing director for Get Dry Inc. down in Florida. She's uh, getting to that million dollar mark now, and she's done it by hard and conscientious, caring, consistency, and uh, working to continue to improve the way that she helps more people. And um, I would love it if you have questions, questions for me, questions for our team, you want to help grow your business. Maybe you're in the blue collar space, you're in the trades, you're you're one of the hardest working people, I'm sure, putting in the time, you're not really sure what buttons to push, send an email to help at theminimalistceo.com, go to our Facebook page, The Minimalist CEO, ask questions, send a message, look at our ongoing content. You know, we're constantly sharing messages about how to cut away the waste, how to turn your competitors into clients, take your biggest problems, turn your competitors into clients, and find out how to tap into predictable new demand where you no longer have to compete regardless of what business you're in, how to tear off that label and become the only choice in your market. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, share it with someone. We appreciate that you're here. 
I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing from you. Check out the show notes if you want to learn more about Michelle Jackson and Get Dry Inc. and her team and what they're up to. And uh, again, thanks for being here. And I look forward to your comments, your feedback, your ideas, and we'll be back real soon.